0: Steve
1: Gregor and Greg.
2: Welcome to Maximum Collective, Episode Five. Fly It Hard, Put It Away Wet. With your host, Steve Otto Connor, Greg, Big Raw Ringley greg and lechuga gregor absolute mcgrath what uh i got a lot of names that is a long name we're, we're adding danny is adding to your list i get paid uh he's incentivizing me every single time i get paid to uh pick on you every <laughs> every time i do it he promises he's gonna listen so you know
0: i, I had a feeling i had a feeling this right was right <laughs>
2: I have some things I'd like to cover, kind of out of context of what we normally do. I was recently a guest on Heliheads, and I thought it was a really great experience. I really wanted to say thank you to Heliheads for having me on their episode. Um, I had the episode up here, and I can't remember which one it's going to be. They didn't do it yet. It's episode 75, so it should be coming out here shortly.
1: Probably out before Uh, this comes out.
2: Probably out before this comes out. I thought it was really great. It was great to interface with some other folks. Um, And I apologize. Profusely as because I'm not the brains behind the project, I would give that more to Greg or uh, Brent Gobbler, who I think originally came up with the idea. I'm just, uh, I'm merely here. I'm merely here because I talk a lot. So as Ken or anybody else will probably attest to. So I just want to say thanks for having me on. Uh, Some of the other things I would like to discuss is who's coming to IRCHA, who's excited about IRCHA. It is what, July 20th? So it's not too far away. Actually, it's just in August. Right. It it is. Uh, But that's what I'm saying. We're like, what, three weeks away from Urcha? Yes. So we got like three weeks. Uh, If you leave now, Greg, you might make it there. It is a little bit of a long drive for you. We're walking. Are you and the infamous Donnie Pesci going to make it this year?
1: Oh, yeah. So Mike Weatherly, Donnie, and I are all going to do the 25-hour drive. We're going to power drive. And this you know, year we've got a special thing we're gonna do on the way there. Nod my head. Nobody can see that, but I'm nodding my head.
2: Suspicious. I'm trying not to make inappropriate comments <laughs> with three guys in a whatever vehicle you're
0: taking, hey, but suspicious for sure.
1: <laughs> the annual um, tradition. I'm like, how do I? How did a tradition get born of me driving to Ursa straight through from
2: Arizona? But okay, we're gonna drive. That is a lot of driving. But it's fun. We're looking forward hood. to it, though, in November.
1: That, so. that will be August.
2: Yes. November's the rodeo. But, but rodeo's in November, and I'll be driving down your way. I'm so that'd be a good fun that. drive, too. Right. And so, all this time, I could still pick on Gregor because I don't believe he's going to make it to Urcha. But we have to work out something to drag his ass there next year.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> little I short will be now, there. Come hell, or, come hell or high water, I will be there next year. I ha- that I have would be, to be totally great. Yeah. I was hoping to. I was like 99% sure this year, but then it, it just didn't work out. So, You mean life? That's so weird. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> life got in the <laughs> way of our hobby. Yeah. <sighs> but I'll be at the rodeo for sure. There you so. go. Yeah. Excellent. All
2: right. So will a lot of other ones. Heliheads is coming over. We have several other podcast podcast coming yeah. from what i hear so i can't wait showdown to the at that the workout. rodeo yeah. yes
0: yeah awesome. it's gonna be a good time i, I you know i'm excited burt Cameron is gonna be there and yeah rodeo is just a good kickback event i absolutely love it
2: yep. you know it's a great warm-up to that as long as we're interjecting here uh mile high heli showdown september 11th actually the weekend of september 11th tremendous event ran by adam small terrific guy uh, one of my personal favorites and I help out with so nice. I'm just gonna pop that in there that's awesome um, Adam's a good guy yeah yes he is so I have a little bit different of a topic too since the raw 420 is coming out with a direct drive it'll be the largest one <clears throat> and I recently picked up a goose guy that I flew for like seven or nine flights before I sold it because I'm just not a micro guy it's a wonderful helicopter flies totally awesome it's probably the most powerful direct drive I've ever flown, and I passed it around to everybody else at the field, and they all loved it. Um, but RAW 420, yes
0: or no? I'm getting one. I'm getting one. I'm a little biased, but yeah, I'm getting one.
2: And I'm I kidding. don't like, I like small,
1: small helicopters, helicopter. but I saw Bert fly it at low head speed, and I was intrigued.
2: So if, if that old guy can do it, you can do it? Is that the theory behind it?
1: <laughs> that old guy <laughs> calls old man I'm almost 3D? in the
2: 50 club. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, <laughs> when Bert calls says, an old man flying. And yeah, Burt calls an old man fun, 3D,
1: and he outflies man percent to the people on the planet with his
0: old yeah. Man 3D. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: The point is, he's enjoyable to watch, regardless yeah, of what he's it doing. Is. But what yeah, nice so.
0: and, and, and his commentary is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah.
1: But what got me was, most of the time when you see those small helicopters fly, they look like angry hornets or angry bumblebees. They're just... I don't want to say obnoxious, but they're just quick and jittery. And he slowed that down, he did a video of flying that thing at 2200 RPM, and it looks so smooth and so locked in and so stable. And that's the type of flying I like. And that's what intrigued me to say, I want one of those.
0: That's awesome.
2: I would agree. No, it looks great. I am going to build a RAW 420, and I'm going to ship it off to a buddy, and I'll leave you guys all to guess who's getting one. Um, so I'm pseudo-getting one, and I get to set one up. And then I'm going to ship it off to California.
0: Ken Marshall. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I had a stutter so there.
2: I want to
1: ask about the goose, key. goose guy. Okay. yeah, What size is that?
2: I think it's 200-ish, maybe 250-ish. <clears throat> I didn't really look. I just took it out of the box and flew it. It actually bound to my TX-16 with the Futaba settings pretty well straight ahead. Uh, I just had to change a couple of switch placements, but... I didn't really have to do anything else to it. I wasn't so impressed with the Android interface. It uh, didn't really give feedback whether you were making changes or not making changes or whether you were connected or not connected. So that was frustrating. But pretty much out of the box, the the thing flew great. Hmm. Even in non-stable mode, it was super stable.
0: So So what modes does it have?
2: It has like a stability mode where I don't think you can go over, and I didn't read the complete instructions. Uh, full disclosure, I don't. Th- you definitely can't go over 45 degrees, but I want to say it keeps it like 35-ish degrees. You like can't go over that, so you could basically jam the stick all over and stop, and it comes right back to a hover. It's very impressive. Even when you're just flying the thing, it's easy to like stick off and get it back to a hover. Like most micros, I don't feel like it really centered well, but right. I heard there's some issues with their. I heard a rumor that there's like eight degrees, not eight degrees, eight points of uh, zero deadband on the TX-16 when you bind it to something like that. So that might have been affecting it. I just wasn't overall, maybe I was expecting too much. It it didn't fly anything. I'd rather take my buddy out in the backyard and fly it around my tree than this thing. This thing, again, felt small. It felt bigger than a micro, but it still felt small, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> what's it designed to bind to is it more designed specifically to, for Spectrum or Futaba
2: it came mine so I have one of the not pre ones but I had one of the first editions so it came with spare parts and two batteries and all that good stuff but it also came with a Spectrum adapter so it'll bind to a Futaba and in case you haven't been on, on somewhere that this certain person I'll leave totally nameless it binds to Futaba if you can guess who I'm talking to talking about uh, picking on him a little bit even But uh, it binds to Futaba, and it will bind to Spectrum, Uh, and then the like I have a TX, a Radio Master TX16, which will run the Futaba protocol. Okay. It does not bind to a V control, to my knowledge, and it does not bind to like a Jetty um, or a. Trying to think, another one like JR, it doesn't bind to those. And you have to put the module in to bind it to the Spectrum. Okay. But I mean, I think it covers a good spectrum of what's out there and Still you can pretty, even buy they got like versatile. a six or eighty dollar controller that you could really run it with that really might be worthwhile if that you did not want to drag your nice stuff with to the field
0: what's the price point on it
2: right now it's 249 but i think it's or, i'm sorry 349 totally my fault mm-hmm. 349 right now but i think that's only through the end of july and then it's 379 and i don't think it comes with like the extra battery and whatnot blades, battery, and stuff like that, but so I mean, it's totally worth the released, money. just released, isn't it? Yep.
1: This thing's new within the last month.
2: Right. I think it's kind of being overshadowed, too, with the 420 coming out at the same time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've seen a lot of posts about it, but uh, yeah, well, I wasn't. Uh, micros just don't interest me as much as they used to, so I have given I, away micros. I honestly micros. didn't read about it. <laughs> same here. I, I've same given here.
2: away micros, and I got kind of a buddy, and he laughed. like, hey, this Mm -hmm. is for sale. And like instantaneously, we have a little group and he's like, he laughed. He like, he knew that was coming. I'm just not a micro (laughs) person. I don't know what to tell you. The buddy is the smallest thing I want to fly. Now the
1: 420, we don't really call that a micro. That's basically a 400 class.
2: It's an actual 400 class.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because years ago, I used to, I, I lived more in the mountains and we had a very small front yard and I used to fly my 450. I threw it in the heli beaters group the video of it and i used to love going out there in the evenings and flying my 450 out there and uh you know at that time it was about 40 45 minutes from the airfield but you know yeah it was a ball because it still had that larger feel you know where i think at that time the mcpx and the and the, the v2 had just come out and uh you know i don't know i I just can't seem to hang on to, to medium size or small helicopters, but I'm actually really excited about this raw just because I can't get to the field very often. So I think it'd be great for front yard. I laughed yeah. at that
2: video because I felt very sorry for that 10 year old battery. That was probably 20 or 15 C
0: and every time you're like, <laughs> wang,
2: wang, wang. you call yeah. it flying, but I would call it smack. You were definitely oh. beating on that thing. Great video. So
0: yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was what, 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah. it was a long time ago. Yeah. So the RAW 420, I think, you know, we're
1: recording this July 20th, and doesn't the pre-orders go live today for that RAW 420?
2: Well, from our perspective, in an hour and 20, I'm sorry, an hour and 19 minutes, because I'm actually looking at the countdown, because I'm getting ready to pre-order one. Well, I can't beat certain people to it, but I'm going to beat some people to it.
0: I put my order in last night. Full discord. I am
2: not as special <laughs> as two other people on this podcast. I don't know what to tell you. I am <laughs> simply a peon.
1: <laughs>
2: I am a peon.
1: And the price point for that is five
2: eighty nine. With yeah. blades and motors. So if you compare it to a buddy, we actually I was talking to somebody about this. The buddy was what four twenty ish? Four hundred? I saw the price the other day, but it, it looks like they're not making it anymore. It's not a current model, if you will. But if you include the motor, I mean, an Exnova motor for a buddy was 150 bucks. So yeah, a set of honestly, blades. with with set of blades, and I assume they're going to be S-line blades. Yep. And to be honest with you, uh, I I've been quite happy with the S-line blades on my 580.
1: Mm-hmm. But you oh, have geez. to still pick up your three cyclic micro servos, and a mini tail. Correct, and then either a 60 or 80 amp ESC? Mm -hmm.
2: I did Mm -hmm. pre-order those already, and I paid the shipping because I'm afraid that they're all going to go out of stock tonight. Right. I pre-ordered that stuff to avoid it. So, do we do Little Raw? As opposed to Big Raw? I don't know. Is that how that works?
1: So, I I do have to admit that I will at one point take a picture of Big Raw with
2: Little Brother
1: underneath it. No, it's Little raw, little
0: raw. <laughs> so change it up a little bit. Did you guys see that uh, Mikado released a uh, an update for the V Control? So with the raw four hundred and twenty has you know the the high pole count. So they right. they'll now do forty two pole twenty one pairs. Yep. So that ju- that just released today. So,
1: yep. I saw uh, that cool. chime come up my V Control Touch. I go, what's that? Oh,
0: an update. <laughs> yeah. I felt special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun to see what it flies like, and um, hopefully we'll have a handful of mounted urchin we can play with them.
0: Yeah. I'm am interested to see how well the direct drive holds up. I mean, I think it'll be great. You know, I I don't know. It's you know the one way bearing in the motor. I right? I mean it's a one way bearing in a gear motor wherever you put it. I think it's going to be fine. I mean so far that's the only controversy I've heard. But so but here's an the an question though
2: shaft. So
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So, what's are you gonna go tail boom
0: or so you gonna go raw style or
1: Kraken style?
0: I'm gonna go raw. I, I'm you gonna know, go raw. I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go raw this time. Although I do like how sleek the carbon boom looks with that helicopter. It's not it's not big, you know, like with the Kraken models. You know, the boom at the you know where it would insert into the canopy it had this really large, you know, look profile. To it, but, but yeah, the profile exactly. Mm-hmm. But it looks looks transitions really good from the pods to the boom so i think they did a phenomenal job
1: so what i'm waiting for is the uh cox 049 nitro conversion
2: two thousand years
0: later six and a half hours later
2: did greg just drop out or is he totally just sitting there still nope he's <laughs> just sitting still the screen I just, chase i, just, I, I went what
0: i seriously thought we we Listen. lost all communication <laughs>
2: God. So you just mentioned like a 049 conversion for the raw 420. But I mean, honestly, why would anybody do nitro? What, why would you fly a nitro bird?
1: Well, Gregor, you and I both love nitro. That is correct. You know, and it, for me, it has a completely different feel to it. It, it. And I don't know how to describe it from a, it feels more connected. It feels more natural. But what I like about nitro is I feel like the helicopter talks to me more. If I'm heavy on the collective, I hear the motor talk to me. It's like I get a visceral or a more audible feedback. And I think it helps me fly smoother and more, um, I don't want to say consistent, but I like a smooth flying style. You know, and that to me, Nitro kind of fits that bill.
0: Yeah. For me, it's the power to weight ratio. I, I dig it. You know, it's electrics are super powerful for me and nitro just has that beautiful power to weight ratio and i absolutely love doing a big hurricane and that thing whizzing by you sounding like a a top fuel dragster you know that that for me just part of it is just ah the sound you know the engine running knowing that you're you're firing off fuel and uh and the power to weight ratio for me is so much easier for me to fly i mean i'll just being honest so when you say
1: power to weight ratio um because a electric has more raw power immediately electric has instant power on demand but the electric's a little heavier and especially Mm -hmm. as we burn fuel the helicopter gets lighter and lighter
0: right
1: so whereas that's the opposite feel with an electric right as you're going through the flight it maintains the weight but power drops off because you get a lower voltage condition but with a nitro the lighter that
0: thing gets
1: the better your performance improves through the flight until you run
0: out of fuel exactly and and with an electric i mean at the end of the day even though they are heavier than a nitro the the power to weight is is triple that of a nitro you know okay. and i think the again the nitro's power to weight ratio is just so much more even that the helicopter doesn't have it's not like a light switch it's either on or it's off Right. You know the nitro, you got to finesse it through all orientations of flight. You know, and as you said, it'll it'll talk to you and it'll let you know whether or not it likes it. You know. <laughs> right.
2: So you guys oh. are saying don't do maximum collective on a nitro, correct? All the time.
1: <laughs> you can go maximum collective on a nitro, but you have to ease it in. You gotta. You well, gotta, you well gotta I am not Tim Jones,
2: so I will not attempt that.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, but
1: you've got two different sizes of nitro. You've got those, the 90 and the 105 size, and for the real men in the group, the 120. <coughs> uh, the other options are the 55s, right? The OS55s, the YS60s. Mm-hmm. Those provide a whole different class of heli, right? I mean, you're starting to find that 500 class machine. That's a different feel, too, isn't it?
0: It is. Absolutely is. And, you know, not only are you going to get more flights out of a gallon, but, uh, you know, the helicopter has more of an agile feel, and I guess, I mean, the power to weight ratio, I mean, you could you could also factor that in, you know, c- comparing it to a, you know, a 580 size, you know.
2: Well, you know, I'd like to jump in there from a cost perspective. If you were considering getting into Nitro, as I have been, I mean, I've been flying for 16 years. I'm an electric guy. I've owned one T-Rex 600 Nitro. But I had a person, I had Robert Gorham right there on spot to show me how to tune a YS. And then I just left it alone because I was in California weather. But uh, the 500, the 600, 500, six, 600 five or 600 class, um, you know, those are easy to find used. So you could get started on a cheaper basis with a 50 size Nitro and you can consume half the fuel. So if you're interested in getting started, that might the way to go. I mean, for somebody like myself, but I'm kind of a 600 fanboy anyway, so.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that because, you know, my first Nitro was a 50 size Nitro. And when I finally got my 700 size Nitro, just the, you know, being new into the hobby, you know, and of course I had had, you know, 450 size a little bit, you know, I had some blade CPs and such, you know, but when I got the 50 size, I'm like, man, this is fantastic. Got into the 90 size and even you know though I had been into it about a year it was still very intimidating to fly the 90 size even the 50 size just hearing the engine run you know and and uh, the so the 50 size was a much more comfortable helicopter size for me so uh, again I think it's I think it's a great avenue you know for people that are that are considering getting into Nitro you know I think the 50 size is the way to go so you're you're uh, gonna get more flight time out of it
1: right so I so you decide to pick up a Nitro and you start getting to fly these helicopters It takes a whole new bin full of parts to make it successful. I mean, you just don't grab a battery and head (laughs) to the field. You've got a you've got a wheelbarrow full of stuff you got to bring with you or or locate and round up. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize when they're getting themselves into this. um, I mean, that one show, the uh, Money Pit. (laughs) You start cut the path. You buy the helicopter. Then you got to go round up a few more things to
2: right. Right. Yeah, I've definitely brought up that question a couple of times where we've talked about nitro. I built a nitro for a buddy, and I was like, I didn't even think about it. Fuel tubing, um, your fuel pump. You know, you see all those totally high dollar fuel pumps. Right. But it seems like when you see the the electric pumps, you always see somebody has a spare manual pump sitting there by the side. Right. So it would make me question, why would you even need an electric pump? I mean, yeah, they'd be great to have, and if you're pumping a lot of fuel, I guess you need it. But, I mean, if I, I even heard the conversation the other day, oh, I keep a manual pump right on the side of it. I'm like, why? Just do the manual pump.
1: Well, but I run a manual I mean, pump.
0: You know. I do too. If, if there's any any advice I could give to somebody that was just getting into this, <laughs> is that, you know, if you're once you get into you know what you need, which if you keep listening, you'll you'll get some of that. Uh, the electric fuel pumps are pretty they're pretty slick i mean they make it pretty easy but now you got a battery that you got to keep charged for it and all that good stuff but from my experience they don't last and i don't care how much you spend on one you will run into issues with it you know and manual fuel pumps for the win i mean i've had manual fuel pumps last me years where electric fuel pumps i've replaced multiple in a year and they always go out in the most inconvenient times you know yeah, so, so just I my two cents. on that.
1: And yeah. you know, Steve, you mentioned fuel tubing. I mean, there is a slew of fuel tubing. There's fuel tubing. People run on gasters. There are different sizes and different diameters as well. Um, I just run the old Dubro fuel tube. You know, what's what are those IDs, Gregor?
0: Oh boy, you're 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 catching me off guard here.
2: <laughs> here, let me Google that for you.
0: Yeah you know it, it's funny because I've, I've just gotten so used to using you know Dubro has been the 61 centimeter stuff um for so long that it's just been you know it's just been I think the inner fall? diameter is 1.58 millimeters oh. roughly or one sixteenth, and uh it's just been it's just been good good fuel fuel tubing for years but uh the the stuff I've been using just because you know rather than have to go you know jump on a website and go through okay what fuel tubing do i want to use um i've been getting the sad stuff you know because there's there's clunk line that just works i know it's for a helicopter i know the size okay. works well you said clunk line
1: you know. so that sounds like there's a different type of fuel tubing there you've got your fuel tubing on the outside of the tank that runs to and from but your mm-hmm. clunk line's a little bit different because it's got to be a little more flexible for the clunk to clunk around in right
0: it sure does. Yeah, the line is super important. You want something flexible, but you don't want something that's going to be too pliable that it will twist or, or uh, kink. Right. You know, like a hose would. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so getting something tried and true. I highly recommend, you know, talking to, you know, your friends that are into Nitro and see what they use. I think it's super important. Again, I like to use the Lynx, links, uh, Lynx links Innovations clunk line or SAB clunk line they both work really well and while we're on that 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 leads us into the clunks themselves you know um years ago we used to have um just it was just a heavy weighted little plug that was you know had a little narrow kind of like a dull arrow shape to it yeah and uh, had a hole through the middle of it and that would just fl- you know flop wherever the fuel went you know depending on what orientation you were in and then you've got bubbleless clunks which is like a series of little round balls almost looks like a filter and like a centered
1: uh, piece of metal like mm-hmm. a yeah pol- how uh, a porous
2: piece of metal that
0: exactly know, yeah yeah exactly like they, they would use in fuel filters yep. in carburetors you know things yeah. like that so
2: are these foam covered mm-hmm. ones or so, am i thinking differently because i've seen foam and yeah. i've seen the metal clung so the foam I don't I don't really you your um between?
0: Between. what do they call them the fuel magnets fuel magnet yeah. yeah that was one that was real popular but the the downside with the fuel magnet is they would deteriorate especially if you left the tank dry you know right. and then they just they they deteriorated over time but uh you know the 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 uh, what is it the maos uh, right. master of all suckers <laughs> right yeah that's that's really good
2: so are so, you saying that the outrage velocity 50 sitting downstairs that i'm going to hand over to greg to fly at the rodeo i should replace the clunk line because it's should, been sitting absolutely. with fuel in it for i don't know how many years and it's got a foam. So these are all, que- I mean, these are real questions. Like, right. yeah. what do I use? What do I start off with? What do I need to replace on a nitro, picking up a used one? God only knows how long it's sat. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So fuel line is something that definitely ages over time. So something, you know, a maintenance item would be to replace your fuel tubing every, I don't know how long. I've. In Arizona, we fly year round. So nothing ever gets a chance to sit, you know. So we don't so really What temperature
2: does fuel line melt? Is it above 115 degrees? <laughs> I haven't
1: melted it yet in Arizona, and we've flown at 115 out here before. But you know, so clunks, uh, fuel tubing. But you know, the next piece is is um, so you got the little, all the little tube adapters, the clamps that people clamp the fuel line with to stop the fuel, the plugs that you plug to plug the end of the line. Your, I've seen people with the little squeeze clamps they put over the fuel tube to hold it on things. So there's all sorts of little bitty clamps that people use. And then sometimes you need to clamp a line after you fly it. other times you don't have to, depending on what motor you're in, right?
0: That's exactly right. So let's say you're running muffler pressure. Um, You're going to, you know, you might, some people will plug off the, uh, some people will plug off the, the fuel line going into the carburetor because the tank will you know naturally flow if you don't have a regulator if you, I'm sorry if you don't have a regulator on your carburetor then you're gonna get fuel into the carburetor and it's just gonna flood it flood the engine out and and uh, give you problems trying to start it so you want to use like a fuel lock block so there. for those
1: people that just went huh um, Yeah. there yeah. are two types of primary motors out there three there's the motors that don't have a pump system at all that uses muffler pressure to pressurize the tank and push fuel towards the motor. There is the OS-style system, and is it the demand regulator system? And then there's the YS. -hmm. So those two systems, the OS and YS on the pressure, the motor that has the demand regulator or the regulator, that's a built-in regulator on the motor that it's not another piece you go buy as a nitro guy. It's just how you plumb the tank, right?
0: Right. Okay. Right, and if you have the regulated system, then if the engine's not running you're not it's not going to allow fuel to flow into the carburetor unless right. it's running right? right so if you if you don't have you have a non-regulated system then you you would want to run a clamp a fuel clamp so you can block off the fuel from entering the carburetor if you're not using it right
1: yeah because if you don't clock, if you don't block that off it will push fuel into the engine it'll hydrolock on you and then you'll go That's to try right. and start it with your starter and You'll be hit, you'll be trying to <laughs> drive a piston up against an incompressible liquid. Pro- is that t- where I
2: see people taking a helicopter and wiggling it all over the place upside down, like it uh, just pooped all over them or something?
0: Probably. <laughs> when really, when really most of the time, you can tilt the helicopter onto the pipe side, and it will allow the fuel to pour out the pipe side, and you can typically turn it over right. as long but as it you is have
2: a. Much more entertaining for the rest of us to watch people right. when <laughs> they've got a hydrolock motor do all kinds of crazy dances.
1: So the other piece on that is, is glow plugs. You've got a whole process here of glow plugs. That's another consumable item. You have a glow plug that you have to replace, maintain, and oh my lord. There is a litany of glow plugs, glow plug types, glow plug heats. All those probably mean something. And all I know is I run an OS number 8 in my OSs and an INU number 5 in my Yss.
2: Those seem to be like ford versus chevy questions man i hear people i had like four or five people sitting at the field when i was back in california discussing that and same motor people run completely different plugs and it totally cracked it was interesting to see hear all the conversation of why they ran what plug they ran
1: so that's a function of heat right gregor i'm sorry that's a function of like they call some plugs cold plugs some plugs hot plugs some plug medium plugs right Generally speaking, what are you looking at there?
0: Well, sorry.
2: (laughs) I totally... We are totally putting you on the spot. Did you not know we all work together? We hopped on before this uh, podcast started and said, hey, we're going to fluster Gregor with some
0: questions.
1: Well, the point is, is when someone goes to get into Nitro, they're going to be faced with a plug a lot of what os comes with is like an os number eight right that's like your generic standard gets you through pretty much anything you need right
2: is there a seven or a nine is one colder and hotter than the other
0: yeah so a cold plug is typically going to keep the firing cooler you know than than when the engine you know gets gets its explosion so that's that's basically what it's going to do so you get a medium heat plug or a hot plug it's going to produce more heat for the engine it's I think we're good. what it's going to do. Sorry, I was I was multitasking. Where I was attempting to multitask when you threw that out there. <laughs> but fundamentally, the
1: average person, <laughs> yep. the Joe that's going to buy a helicopter, a nitro line, go fly it, an OS mm-hmm. number eight in your OS motors and Indian number five in your YS motors, those are probably going to take care of ninety-nine percent of the people that fly helicopters, right?
0: That is correct.
1: Everything from Anchorage, Alaska, to the Sahara Desert, right?
0: That is correct. Medium plugs just work so well; they do, and you'll hear lots of. You'll hear lots of. It's like asking ten different mechanics what the best oil is. They're going to give you a different answer, right? So, but you know, I the can tell time. you, I've, I've, been, <laughs> maybe I've been all over the United States, and the OS eights and Any fives have always right. been tried and true for me.
1: So, for the guy getting into the sport, the hobby, those are the two plugs you run with. They're going to cover your needs. You start moving yep. outside that, you probably ought to be talking to somebody who's a little more knowledgeable in your area to help guide you through that.
2: Right. I know. I know we're going to talk about that more in the next episode, where we talk about tuning and things of that nature, and hopefully with a guest speaker. But can you run an eight, an OS eight, in a YS and an uh, Nye five in an OS? If you chose, is it the same thread? Is it the same? Are they close in temperature?
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's all the same thread. Medium plug. Yeah, yeah, they're both considered medium plug, and uh, yeah, you can run them in either or engine. I found. The the coils in uh in the Inya five seem to hold up better in a YS engine. They just they seem like they're they're a bit more durable. But it's it's been interesting to me. I've been in different climates where and forgive me for not you know, I don't remember exactly where I was at the time, but I've I've seen where we were struggling more with an Enya 5 than we were an, an OS 8 in a YS engine, you know. And it was, uh, I think we were back east somewhere, but there was a time where we were sitting around and we were going through glow plugs and the Enya, the uh, the uh, OS 8 actually was running better in the 120 than the Enya 5 was. Okay. You know, so. Can
2: I run an Enya 5 in my OS 49 converted 420?
1: Probably not, but that's okay. <laughs> I think the glow plug's bigger than the motor.
0: Right. It, might, it might be. We'll, we'll figure it out though. You know, so, I hated
2: how messy those the old uh, control line planes were. And then, right. speaking of messy, how do you clean up a nitro? I mean, what do you what well, do you need to bring to well, the field to clean up a nitro? Are, are
0: you are you asking a California guy, or are you asking somebody like Craig in Arizona? <laughs> yeah.
2: Is there a difference from the drier yeah. climate well, to the drier it, climate? It's funny
0: because you know a guy used to be able to go down to the store and pick up denatured alcohol at his local hardware store. But, you know, then it became illegal in California. So now you gotta, you got to import it in um, illegally. And I, I don't know how that's done, but I heard people can do it. <laughs> hmm. so.
1: But a lot of people have, like, a spray bottle with just straight-up denatured alcohol, right? Yeah. And you spray yeah. that on the heli, and that's what you use to
0: clean it, right? Yeah. yeah. So you what about buy what that alcohol? Cal- clean with so I, anymore? I, what's that?
2: You really can't buy that in California anymore? You cannot
0: i i was like it was during covid i noticed that it was disappearing from the shelves and then i found out later they don't sell it in california anymore and so i was lucky enough to i went went on a trip to arizona and i picked some up i like to mix windex and denatured alcohol together and it seems to get me a lot more denatured alcohol you know it lasts longer and uh old timer friend of mine taught me that trick 50, and it 50? seems to work really well yeah yeah so just seems a spray really bottle really
1: well. 50 50 windex and denatured alcohol
0: correct do you correct. spray
1: the whole heli or do you try and stay away from electronics
0: I try to stay away from the bearings and uh I, I will i will put it on the servo cases themselves okay. but i'll i'll keep, try to keep it off electronics so Denature is just a little bit harsh
1: that's the degreaser
0: version i'm sorry
1: that's just a degreaser to get all the grease off to clean the bird up
0: Correct,
2: correct. Okay. And keep it away yeah, from the bearings due to the fact of the degreasing. Yeah, no, it'll degrease. Yeah. Those
1: of us in Arizona, we just drip dry. I hang mine on the wall and I have like a pan under it, like an old 65 Mustang in your garage and it drips dry. <laughs> That's why Adam Arroyo had a heart attack every time he saw
0: my bird because it's like greasy. Oh, he will flip out, oh, he yeah. will flip out. I think uh, it was Arizona, not last year, but the year before. He ripped my bird out of my hands and literally his exact words, give me that shit, and he walked over to his bench with it and cleaned that thing. Yeah, I I was pretty embarrassed. Yeah. So um,
1: the other thing you need is a glow plug wrench. If you haven't thought about it and you have to replace a glow plug, you need a little glow plug wrench, and those come in little four ways, and they have some that have like a long shank that allows you to reach all the way into the bird. So that's just another thing you got to round up, you know? Yeah, the glove plug okay. wrench will bite
0: you if you don't have one.
1: All right. One more <laughs> Just... thing. The whys we do this. When I first started flying nitro helicopters, I showed up with the little rubber hosey thing on the back of my um, uh, pipe. JC's ankle walked up and ripped that thing off and gave me the <laughs> oddest look. You know, <laughs> you were not allowed to fly an, uh, an exhaust deflector on your helicopter.
2: You know, I, I don't know, like the rubber o rings on the skids, yeah. And then people want to auto, yeah. It drives me a little insane, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, gen- generally, I you know, they work really well from pushing the exhaust if you're cruising around right side up, you know, and even back, upside down, backwards, they work really well to, to deflect the exhaust from slamming your helicopter. However, and I think in the beginning, you know, people are very like conscious about how oily your helicopter gets, but um you know it was it was funny it was before i I blossomed you know more into nitro and uh and with my skills i learned from tim jones that you know he 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 said he truly feels that it changed the tune on his engines to the negative so he he left them off he he removed them and uh over over the years as i got you know i sharpened my skills with tuning i i feel the same way and but again that's one of those things that you have to kind of figure out for yourself i think uh that's one of the again one of those things that you just you ask ten different mechanics you'll get ten different answers.
1: I have a feeling that a bunch of people, all three that watch and listen to this podcast, just paused, went to the room, pulled the <laughs> deflectors off, and now they're coming back to hit play again.
2: We might be down <laughs> to two. We might be down to two listeners by two this listening. one. I think yeah, we're about a half hour thing. in. So, yeah.
1: um, all right. The other thing that we have alluded to and talked about is a um starter. We talked about those earlier. You know, I mean, you've got this helicopter on the ground and it ain't going to start itself and there ain't a cord you yank on the side to get it going and you can't push start them. Right. So you've got, what, dynatrons, high torques, and please don't get out a Makita cordless drill, right? <laughs> right? But Why would
2: I not? Why would I not go grab a Makita? I mean, it's got lots of torque and it uh, it'll drive a drywall screw in. Why would I not use a Makita? Or a DeWalt, or whatever your choice is. Maybe Bosch. Bosch well, be a little smoother.
0: If if you use a Dremel, and it's smooth, you know, cool. But don't use an impact driver.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it's. I I'll keep it PC. I mean, there's a yellow and black starter out on the market that's similar to an impact, an impact driver. An impact driver. I would not recommend that.
2: <laughs> I've heard bad things about that one.
0: Full disclosure. I've...
1: But, you know, you could jump on so, any one of these, so, um, like, uh, hobby shop ha- stores, and you can find, like, Hangar 9 and stuff, you can find Hanger these 9, little yeah. $30 starters. Um, you can, yeah. Why would you not buy one of those? I know I run, I think it's the high torque. It's uh, tw-
0: uh,
1: up to 24 volts.
0: You know? Yeah, Sullivan Dynatron. Sullivan Superpower. Dynatron, there you go. That's what I was looking for, the yeah. Sullivan Superpower. Dynatron. Yeah, you know? they typically run 149, right. not on sale. So. But...
1: I found right. that the smaller ones um, don't seem to have the torque to run like a, a 90 or 120 size motor or 105s
0: right and some of them are limited to how many, how many volts you can put to them so if right. you you know the lower the voltage like let's say you have 12 volts versus you know something that'll run like 4s yeah. you know that's what um, i run on mine i run a
1: 4s battery on mine
0: yeah you're gonna you're gonna see a big difference in in power so if if you're steve and you like to watch the nitro guys sit there and you know do the little dance on the ground trying to get their engine to turn over um if you if you want to give him that entertainment and definitely you know so uh, buy a buy a smaller torque starter but uh if i just can, thought that was yeah. part
2: of the lure i thought you were doing the mating dance with your nitro for my enjoyment
0: the am nitro i mistaken in dance. that <laughs> yeah
1: so the other piece some. of that is some of those yeah. starters if you look at them online they have like a clamp a lot of those mm-hmm. are more designed around a airplane where you've got a machine in front of you, a battery behind you, and a handheld starter you can reach up into the nose cone and start your boat, your, your airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine when you've got a battery behind you and things there. But with a helicopter, you're literally on top of the machine with a starter wand, which oh, we probably talk starter wands, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Reach right. down through the main blades and to have a battery with an extension cord dangling off the side. It's just a lot of more things dangling over your shoulder while you're trying to mm-hmm. get this helicopter running
0: yeah and let's let's face it when you when you show up to the field and you're just getting into nitro it looks like a you're you're overwhelmed with all the things that you need to carry with you in your so-called flight box right you know and 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 i think uh you know back up just a little bit here if you're going to get into nitro and you and you want a good experience i i You know, not to scare anyone away, but I think it's worth it to spend the extra money on a high torque starter, and uh, and in my opinion, getting getting a good starter wand. Now, you might, you know, depending on the type of helicopter that you have, you might, you know, you might need a starter with with a one way bearing built in built into it. You know, like the SABs, for instance. If you go to start one of those and you have a vapor lock where the engine doesn't want to turn over, and you're doing the dance you're trying to tilt it over to the side um if you have a starter that does not have a one-way bearing in it you can easily the engine will will try to turn over and it'll pop back the other direction and can actually loosen the hub off of the engine and now you're pulling your helicopter apart at the airfield and nobody likes that you're frustrated and now you want to get you want to be done with nitro you know so so again i think it's important to to, you know, to learn these types of things from people that have had the experience and, and get quality equipment, you know.
1: Right. So, it's the whole same. You buy once. If you buy right, you buy once. Right. And if you want to have a good experience, you don't want to sabotage yourself with these little built-in problems that are going to take away from your ability to get in the air.
0: Right. Okay. Agreed. Um, yeah.
1: The other piece of this puzzle, and you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but Nitro helicopters run on a nitro fuel and you're going to hear people talk about 23% and 30% and people will say, what's that? And, you know, there's a fuel out there that smells like baby powder and and it's, oh my God, it's a hundred dollars a gallon. And, you know, um, so there's a lot of choices there from a fuel standpoint, you know, what fuel do you run? I know I
0: run, I run VP 30%. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 23, 23 and a half percent kind of guy. Okay. Yeah.
1: So from a, if anyone's seen Gregor fly versus Greg Ringley fly, you'd all want to buy 23% fuel. <laughs> um, but what that means to you as a pilot is uh, 30% fuel is going to be a little more expensive. It's got a higher nitro uh, content, so it adds a little more cost to it. The change that occurs is on your helicopter, you have to shim your head. So that's another component you got to play with here. If you buy a used helicopter, if you don't know what the head shim is, you probably need to be asking some of those questions on what fuel to run because you would change the head, which basically changes motor timing, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, it's your your basically you can if you run a 30% in it like, like, like let's say you have a OS105 right and you you buy that engine and i get a lot of questions hey it says you know no more than 22% can i run 23 and a half you most certainly can but that's the limit i wouldn't recommend 30% um, cuz you can cause detonation and it can actually you know put a hole in the piston so right. you know like that like what we just way. heard was that, yeah, ex- was that detonation? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that was detonation from a Harley.
1: So not to scare anybody, but it's just a question to ask. If you buy a yeah. used helicopter, you might find out what fuel they've been running. And yeah. the reason behind it is is because that's what fuel the engine's set up for from a standpoint of a head shim. Now, if anyone's yeah. ever taken a head off, it's just a small shim that goes between the head and the cylinder block that changes the volume of the chamber.
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah, I get a lot of questions too, you know, uh, on that per- percentage. Why I fly that in my helicopters, and I know I know Adam Aroha. He he also he also asked me, you know, why don't why don't you just shim it and put run thirty percent, you know, and the fuel cost isn't really a whole lot different. But I also I, I fly with the disc loaded on the helicopter a lot. So what happens in turn? It with even with the OS one hundred and five is the engine tends to heat soak a little bit, you know, and and so i found that i get you know which is again something i you know learned from tim was you know you're not heat soaking the engine you're getting more it's not that you're making more power you're making more consistent power and so that's another reason why i use that and and that that again comes down to flight style you know
1: right so once again there's different ways of flying these helicopters and even with the nitro you can have different Mm -hmm. flying styles which you would tune your motor to your head speed to and um all that fun stuff
0: and fuel yeah wow. yeah I think 15 is great for beginners too I've got a lot of friends that are getting into Nitro that 15 has been perfect for them you know it's the price point is phenomenal I think it's what over a little over 120 bucks or something like that for a, for a case of fuel that's that's good case of how many gallons by today's standards right right I let's take a look here
1: is it is it six gallon case I know VP comes in six gallon cases
0: yeah, yeah. Let's take a look. So you get a case of. Well, I am not doing too well looking at that.
2: Oh, your Google full sucks.
0: Ah, oh, my <laughs> Google. <laughs> well, while you're
1: looking that up, the other so, thing that we always ask ourselves is, is when you're done flying. 99.
0: Okay, for a, for a six pack. It six looks gallons? like a six gallons at uh, yes, Powermaster wow. VP. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred and
2: thirteen ninety nine. Nice. That'll fit my limp-wristed flying style just fine. I go. mean,
0: I mean, you're opposed to what two hundred and fifty four dollars for oh. you know twenty three and a half or something like
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, keep trying to talk me more and more into it. That's my language right there. There you go.
0: <laughs>
1: so, all right. So you've got your fuel. You've got all the parts and pieces to put this thing together, and you go to the flying field and you fly for a day and you have a blast. And you go, oh my god, these guys are right. Nitro is awesome. When you're done, you go home. Do you clean every day? Do you clean your heli after every flight or after every day you go home or you clean up the weekend or you clean once a year?
0: Well, I will I will try to spray my helicopter off before I leave the field. Okay. I, will, I will clean it all up from there. I will denature alcohol it and wipe it all down with my microfiber rags. And once I get it home, it sits on the rack and kind of drips. All right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you get yeah. yelled at? Do you throw those microfibers in the wash or do you get yelled at by the wife?
0: I do not. They're in the shop. So I kind of yell at myself because sometimes they drip on. Uh, the, right now I have them sitting on a rack where I keep raw aluminum. Oh. And so sometimes it drips on my raw aluminum. Ah, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> All right. So Andrew you said used. So you put nice. yours on a rack. So I've got I to say that. I've got a rack that I hang my heli's on you know and i happen Mm -hmm. to have a piece of plywood underneath it that's the way it's built that i do drip on that a little bit so i don't damage Mm -hmm. the floor or the carpet but if you are a guy that has your helicopters in a room where you have carpeting down because they're all electric and you've got them hanging on the wall if you bring a nitro home your wife may get mad at you if you drip fuel out of your heli on the ground even if you cleaned it it will always drip and ooze and run down the heli a little bit right facts Facts. Facts. That was the one thing so, I always
2: hated, the Nitro 600 I had, was putting it back in the car. I always forgot the stuff to clean it, um, but I didn't. Even, wasn't even aware I could still run 15. I think I ran 23 on that. Okay. I, yeah. I would be interested being a person that has a, just a wee bit of collective management. Uh, I at least know what it is. Right. Uh, I wonder if 15 would fit me fine, because I'm not a power monger. Yeah, yeah I I've, I've even got a
1: towel in the back of my work truck. You know, my my I run an Explorer. So I got this blanket I put down in the back so when I put my Nitro helis in there and they drip on things, I don't cause my wife to have vibrations when she comes in and finds drippy oozy stuff in the back of the car. My towel or my blanket, my old blanket's what keeps it from dripping on stuff, you know. Can't have the wife having vibrations.
0: Yeah, I know. Good Wouldn't good good vibrations, good vibrations. <laughs> well, that's another thing
1: about nitros, right? If They, they vibrate.
0: vibrate.
2: Mm-hmm. What about servo tape? So, it, it's not servo tape, but fly barless tape. Uh, when I was doing the brain thing, I mean, they were putting mm-hmm. a layer of 3M tape and then a layer of aluminum and then another layer of 3M tape. And they were doing this and they were doing this or tripling up or Velcro on the fly barless down. Or... I heard How so many different that? things with a couple of years. Oh, well. Okay. Is so it my today, first... 16, 15, somewhere in there? Hmm.
1: So my first uh, helicopter was the Gowie NX-4. And what they had was you put a piece of 3M tape down, you had a, um, a plate that went on top of that, then another piece of tape, and then the fly bar was on that. And the theory there was is that plate, that mass, acted as a place to dampen vibration. You know? Right. Um. And i think that was back when Gowie had like a little um i forget what the fly bar was was that they it came it was
0: a, i think it was a mikado it was yellow and yeah it was, it's a, a Gowie fly, but it was just a rebranded mikado v-bar mini right. v-bar mini v that's yeah. right there are mini v's so. yeah and the mini v-bar was a little more susceptible to vibrations yeah you know so yeah that was good i i personally you know i i like to use dual uh two layers of the 3m tape and i call it a day and that's what the standard size um, standard size uh, Neo, you know, okay. no, none of the micro stuff in it. That's always served me well. Um, some of the helicopters today have these little, uh, kind of like the the rubber mounts for yep. uh, drones, you know, to isolate vibration. And I, I in my experience, I found uh, that they caused me more harm than good, you know. And uh, when we were doing a lot of the prototype uh, or the testing on the uh, SAB 700 Nitro, um that was something that you know i was really excited that it had the rubber dampening and i actually did not have good results with it and so i found running it rigid with two my my tried and true method of two layers of the 3m tape worked perfectly so just
1: steve made a comment a few seconds ago about strapping it down with velcro yeah i've been told that's not a good idea because when mm-hmm. you strap it down, you now pull it into, and you transfer vibration through the Velcro, too. Correct. You don't let the tape do its job if you grab it with a piece of Velcro and cinch it down, right?
0: Right. It kind of, in my opinion, defeats the purpose. You're just you're making it more rigid. You're taking away from the elasticity of the, of the 3M tape.
2: I would not disagree. I just, like I said, I've heard all, you know, you go to the yeah. field, you hear all kinds of stuff. So on that same note, really quick, uh, 50, 90, or 120, is there a difference in vibrations between those two? Do you have to do anything more or less
0: to isolate those? Or is it kind yeah. of the same across the board? Well, Gregor, you don't know, they it's... say if
1: you want to crush rocks, get a 120?
0: They do. They do. And if I had a 120 and I wanted to crush rocks, well, I do have a 120. I would uh, I would still use the same method of, yeah. of uh, isolation, vibration isolation. So my so, raw uh, nitro,
1: I run a YS120 with the mm-hmm. Powatune kit from our dearly beloved Absolute McGrath and <laughs> i run the 3m tape on it
0: and i yeah. run a new... yeah it works good yeah do works you, right. how many layers do you run one just one I'll yeah it out.
1: stretches i get twice as <clears> much <throat> twice as much life out of my tape roll
0: nice <laughs> <laughs> and, and i use that stuff for everything yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah you know, so that's I good. shit that's on good.
1: everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sorry so you got a vibrating helicopter um, so they're they're greasy they're oily, they vibrate, and they have a lot of things you got to bring with
2: you. So one of the things you should that, have Jordan McFarland on the show. I was right just now thinking the same build thing. build tips,
0: right yes, here. Yes. Yes.
2: How not to Loctite a nitro. I mean, how to Loctite <laughs> it. I got that totally wrong. My apologies, right. Jordan. How so, to Loctite a nitro.
1: So the two biggest things for building a nitro, probably, if you had to pick two of the most important things, it's sanding all your frames so you don't have those knives cut through your wires and make sure that you lock tight everything right
0: that's right and i think it takes a level of i don't know what else to call it other than like a mechanics feel you know you don't want to be you don't want to over tighten things but you don't want to you don't want to just gently tighten anything either and think right. that the loctite's going to work you you the loctite you know, you're going to get oils and seepage into the threads and you want to, you want the screw to work. You want to be in the middle of, okay, I'm not going to break it, but I want to be tight, you know? Right. Y- yeah. I, I think that's so important. I hear so many people say, gosh, you know, Loctite, I use red Loctite because I have screws come apart all the time. And, and I just, I, I cringe inside thinking, oh my gosh, red Loctite is Horrible. You do not want to use that stuff on right. our on helicopters, especially. Everything. Yeah, especially. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's terrible. So, but you do have to, you just have to apply more pressure, you know, but right. so it takes a level of a mechanics feel. And not everybody has that. They, right. they just don't, you know, and it's it's not bad. It's just.
1: And I so. mentioned <laughs> sanding frames a second ago. One of the things when I first get a kid out is I literally sit there and I take my frames and I grab a piece of sandpaper or i've got a little file that i'll I'll go through and i will remove all those sharp edges when they cut that carbon fiber it's a square edge and and it's probably a good tip for a lot of places where you run your wiring but if you've got a wire that goes across a frame side and rolls up and touches something if it's crossing a frame side with those vibrations that will that will eventually cut that wire and short against your frame
0: do you use CA glue after you've rounded the edges? I've never tried
1: that.
2: Is that you've a You've never good tried idea?
0: that? Try that next time you do it. Yeah, it'll add an extra little cap over nice. the top of the wire. Yeah, and actually keep it off the carbon. So George just really well.
2: do a uh, write-up on that one time, talking about doing his frames and everything else like that.
0: Who? I find it to be a George's uh, scorpion. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. He's he's phenomenal and stuff like that. He's he, so, he's a clean builder.
1: So something else that I've done with respect to like those edges is if I've got a place where I've got a wire that it's going over an edge that I'm worried about, I've actually taken that you know that second piece of 3M tape that you use on your fly bar, list, I'll take parts of that and put it over the edge and let my wire run across that.
0: Yep. So I create the a piece same of 3M thing. there. Yeah.
1: And if I'll I'm going to strap thing. a wire down, like I've got a place where I'm going to use a zip tie to hold a wire in play, mm-hmm. I will actually take a very small piece of Velcro and do a wrap around that, and then I'll zip tie the Velcro with the wire through the Velcro
0: very this good method
1: another way to hold that
0: wire <laughs> I, i've gotten lazy and i just i just wrap it with 3m tape like i'll, I'll put like let's say i'm wa- putting a piece of servo wire or extension against the frame i'll cut out a piece that's as wide as the wire stick right. it to the frame stick the wire to that and then if i have to do two layers of wires i'll stick another piece of 3m with a wire to that there you go and then yeah so <laughs> you do that for your cyclic
1: servos you do that for your tail servos, but you know, on a nitro, we've got a whole nother servo we got to play with, don't we? That's right. Throttle servo. Yeah. So what makes a good throttle servo? I mean, that's a unique animal in itself.
0: Yeah. I I like to run tail servos. Um, I've run run cyclic servos in the past in a pinch and was very surprised how well that, well it worked. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I like, I like running tail servos. Why? They're fast they're they're fast and they, they'll they you know the governor is like a gyro you know right. what i mean it's constantly reading data and it's constantly giving inputs you know so i want something that's going to keep up and i i feel that cycle or uh, throttle servos are just they have the speeds and you don't need a lot of torque you know right you have you have enough torque um but uh which leads me into you know a throttle spring right, right. Throttle spring and, and and people always question whether or not, oh, that throttle spring, that throttle return spring is gonna, gonna, you know, burn up that servo. But think about it like this: you've got a disc on a 700. That's how big you've got right what, 115 millimeter tails plus the rotor span plus the other yeah. 115 millimeter blade, and it's got a boom that's two and a half feet long. Right, and pirou- pirouetting like crazy and then stops like crazy. There is more torque. Be a stress being put on that throttle servo or that tail servo than there is on the throttle from a throttle return spring. You so, know what I'm saying? So,
1: throttle return spring. We do a throttle turn spring because nobody loves the chicken dance. Well, we don't mind watching other people's chicken dance, other, but we yeah, don't like yeah. ours. Yeah. You know, now a chicken dance is basically a helicopter that finds the ground and doesn't have a throttle return spring with a motor that's still running. And you basically stand there and watch your helicopter just dance around like a chicken with its head cut off, right?
0: I have a feeling Steve would enjoy that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not that much of a hater. So for <laughs> the
1: cost of a three dollar spring, the amount of damage that a helicopter running throttle wide open on the ground beating itself to death, you probably spend a lot more in parts than you would on buying a bunch of those springs, huh?
2: Do heli shops Very sell true. those, or is that a something custom made, or I get mine off Amazon.
0: Yeah, you know it'd be it's really cool if somebody. Spring. It'd be really cool if somebody had a bracket, you know, for sale that, that would attach spring. You could just mount it under your helicopter and attach a spring to it.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
2: Too bad we don't know anybody that could make something like that. I yeah. wonder where
1: you could get something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. Shameless I actually, plug you know, it's it's you know, shameless plug. I actually, uh, again, full disclosure, I've actually uh, got a lot of them that I started started running, and then I, I stopped to finish up some orders that needed to come in. Right. <laughs> so, so, so find we'll a way to snap. get a
1: throttle turn spring on your helicopter. That will save you a lot of damage in the event that an unforeseen incident occurs. But you know what? We talked about a throttle servo. Um, there's a, There are other ways of handling this helicopter. I mean, you've got a throttle that runs the carburetor, but what tells the carburetor what to do? We've got RPM sensors. We've got throttle curves. We've got governors. There's a whole different string of things to do there
0: seriously so and then and then what type what type of rpm sensors you've got backplate sensors you've got fan magnet sensors Mm -hmm. you know i got asked the question the other day the age-old question what is better fan mount direct magnets or a backplate sensor you know and yeah it's it's a so if you're a guy
1: that keeps having the magnet fly out of the fan then you're going to say backplate sensors are better
0: Right, (laughs) that's right
1: But if you've got a guy that flies a YS motor with a steel backplate, then you're going to say well the backplate sensor doesn't work
0: Right, right
1: So those are a couple things that drive you there YS motors have a steel backplate and the backplate sensor is literally a uh, proc switch, right, that looks for the crankshaft to come by Mm -hmm. So the steel backplate will prevent that from seeing that, right?
0: That is correct That's So if you're running
1: OS, you could run that Mm backplate. But if you're running Y S you have to probably find and they do make it. I think Y S does make a backplate, but you gotta buy it. It's different. Well it's normal, right?
0: Here's the thing, Uh, the uh, what is it? X Guard? Uh, Okay. Augusto. Augusto has uh, or Augie Copter has developed a backplate sensor that works really well on YS engines with the steel backplate. Perfect. And uh, yeah, I actually picked one up. I've never been a big fan of backplate sensors because the durability was just not there. Right. And, um, you know, but then you run into with the magnets, as you said, <clears throat> if you don't get them epoxied in correctly, then you're going to fling a magnet and kind of ruin your day you know but uh so and that's that's one of those things in learning curves I think if you're getting into this I think a backplate sensor is going to be kind of a no-brainer. Um I get a little irritated because running the wire all the way down to the bottom of the engine right. and and route, you know, the routing of it's kind of tedious and you want to make sure that you don't get it caught up in any of the the moving parts, you know. It's just more so, frame size to run past. Right. That but may in cut the it. beginning. <laughs> but yeah, but if you're if you're If you're getting into this for the first time, I I personally feel like a backplate sensor, like let's say somebody called me and they're asking for recommendations, I would probably recommend because at the end of the day, you want somebody to have a positive experience with this, right? So, you know, because Nitro people, it sends people packing all the time and back to electric because, you know, if you don't have somebody around you or, or, or somebody that you can call to get good advice, um again and somebody at the airfield that, that might be able to help you then, then it's going to be it's going to be a learning curve for sure you know and it could end up in, in a good or bad experience you know and and having to use epoxy to glue in your magnets or or do i use ca glue some of the right. manuals and some of the modern helicopters they want you to use ca glue
2: right. you know
0: so so well, i don't know i don't know the other piece is,
1: is you're going to learn about north and south pole too
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> anybody <laughs> that's about yeah. grade school
1: if anybody's put magnets in their fan and they didn't get them opposite then every time your fan goes by you're going to read this you're going to read two poles instead of one
0: correct
1: so, so that's another one you know just make yeah, sure you're putting those in yeah. so that your sensor only sees one of them yeah. the other just ends yeah. up being dead weight to balance out the yeah. fan shroud
0: right yeah exactly yeah. i gotta throw a plug out there for the x guard uh, back sensor i put that on um, the helicopter my daughter built and that thing works awesome and it's you know it's made out of like pc board material right and it's it's super durable and it reads really well so if somebody's getting into nitro and they want a system that's that's looks i mean so far it's been very durable i think that's a good way to go nice. until you get more comfortable and uh with with epoxy and magnets in
1: now if you don't run a rpm sensor you still can fly a helicopter you would just run on throttle curves and a throttle curve right. Is basically a programmed um, throttle curve that, as you move the collective up and down, you end up having a fixed RPM set point for your carburetor, right?
0: Correct. Correct. Right. And and you'll get some people that'll claim that uh, they prefer throttle curves over over a governor. And you know, I think and, and I, I I did that in the past. You know, you want to tune the engine to the RPM you plan on running, and and I had a lot of success with it. Um, but but now you're're you're, you're moving into a whole different realm of hey right. I'm gonna go fly my nitro today versus it's, I, I guess I would I would take it as your your hot rod mustang versus your indie car you know right. what I mean are you going to run your indie car for daily driving Probably not So my thought
1: would be for a guy getting into this getting into the game nitro game if you start saying that I'm going to just run curves you've got to start tuning in the throttle position with the function of your collective now if you don't have That's enough right. throttle programmed at that collective position, you won't have enough horsepower to, for the blades there. You can have that a helicopter in the bogs and won't <laughs> fly right, which is another bad experience.
0: That is correct. Some people talk about running a V-curve versus a flatline curve. Right. And, um, you know, V-curves are okay. They're, in my opinion, they're a little bit different, you know, so so the way the curve is gonna, the way the curve is gonna work, so let's say, I'd say the middle of your curve, let's say you've got a V, right? You, the middle of your curve is going to be, uh, the, you guys are killing me over here. The, your, the, so let's say you have 50% throttle in the center, and then you've got 100 and 100. So that would be low low and high, right? Your So at high. zero degrees pitch,
1: you have 50%. Mm-hmm. No, words, at Zero degree pitch, you throttle. have your throttle barrel half open, 50% throttle. Correct, correct. And as you go to full stick, positive, or negative, you would then have a... Hundred percent on your throttle.
0: Correct. So that means Correct. as you
1: give it more collective, you're just feeding in a fixed amount of throttle to match the mm-hmm. collective. So that's a balancing Correct. act between motor throttle position and blade position.
0: It is. And if you have, I mean, where does where does the 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 helicopter? The, where does all of the movement come from? It comes from the rotor blades, right? right. And if you're slowing those rotor blades down. You know, going neutral stick, then going back in. If the engine just that momentary drop in RPM and then going back to 100% throttle, your your control of your controllability of the helicopter is going to change. So, right. in my opinion, it's unnecessary to do it that way because the helicopters, you know, you don't want it to feel different, you know, in in different positions of the collective stick. Right. So, I'm a big fan of flatline curves, but again, now you got to tune the engine to the RPM. You know, because if if you don't, if you're, I mean, you can run a high high RPM. Yes, you can pull it out of, you know, its maximum torque that the engine is, you know, claims that it can make. But if you're keeping the the helicopter's rotor loaded the entire time, you're keeping it into that range. But then when you let off, the engine revs up and then you can load it back up again it recovers better it's going to recover better with a flat line so again if you don't want all that crazy rpm you could do like a flat line 80 flat line 70 flat line 75 you know what i mean i just right. i feel i feel it's more important to do a flat line curve it'll just okay. it'll recover better so, so if you're new and you don't run a governor don't want to buy one right away you know there, there's some of your options but now a, there's an exception to every rule. but even though you run
1: flat curves you mm-hmm. still want to have at least one bank that you have a zero linear linear curve so that you can start these things because let's be honest first time at the field in a cold morning and she hasn't run in a couple of days you're probably gonna have to nurse her nurse her running right she's not gonna like just you know you gotta have be able to open the throttle and control your barrel position so you get a motor to idle Right? Mm-hmm. So you'd throttle it up. You'd have a low position where you can get it running. and um, Okay. So that's when you would run a normal curve on that line one. And anybody that's seen someone lift off of the normal curve, forget to change to their flat line and flip inverted and shut the motor off because they went negative.
0: That's <laughs> that not sucks. a happy day. Been there before. Yeah, I think everybody's done that. Yeah. So that's just <laughs>
1: another piece to be aware of that, you know, a nitro adds a little bit. All right. So we talked about starting. So to get one started, now we're talking switch glows, right?
0: Yep. What's a switch glow?
1: Right. Well, so it makes that glow plug glow, right?
0: Right, right. So you've got you've got you've got uh, handhelds, handheld uh, glow igniters. I guess we should call it glow igniter. What is what what is a glow igniter, and why do we need it? And what are other options from a from a handheld glow igniter so which would be I run
1: glow. I run what we call a switch glow so it is an onboard glow which I actually have wired to a a, link, a a switch on my helicopter on my transmitter so when I flip the switch it turns the glow on and it energizes the glow plug so once the motor gets turned over the heat of combustion keeps the glow plug hot but it lets me get it started but there's a push glow where you push a button on the side and it fires the glow plug for so many seconds, and then it t- t- turns itself off. Or there's the old hot shot, where it's just a long remote that you plug into the side of the helicopter, get it running, and then you take that off before you fly. So three different ways, right?
0: That's correct. And I always recommend taking that manual glow igniter and keeping it in your box of, you know, your 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 nitro kit, just in case your glow, your onboard glow igniter takes a dump. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And those 40, run anywhere
1: from what, fifteen bucks to sixty bucks, depending if you're going a hot shot or you're going a, a switch go, right? Correct. Okay. Um, so we talked about starters. We talked about wands. Um, what else?
0: Motor care. I guess we could talk about motor care. What do What do we do with our helicopter engines at the end of the day?
1: Well, I, um. When I'm done flying, I just turn them off and go home. But then I'm generally back the next weekend flying again. My motors do not set empty at all. I mean, they're literally one week out. I know people that fly have seasons where they'll fly. Winter comes along and you don't fly all winter. They probably do something different with their helicopter than I do here in Arizona. I'm also a very dry environment. So nitro itself is very, what is it, agroscopic. It, It pulls water in
0: right right so you know it's funny i've heard people use you know transmission fluid um marvel uh, mystery oil in their engines uh you know typical after run oil that you would get from a hobby store Um, something else that was brought up to me recently that people are using is um it's called fogging oil i've never tried it but i've heard it's i've heard it's phenomenal um and i'm actually really interested to try it so it, it, here in California, uh, we have, we're have we spoiled with good weather, same with Arizona, I guess, you know, we've got dry heat. We don't have a lot of that moisture content in here. Um, but, uh, so this might benefit, you know, somebody like you, Steve, um, but, uh, you know, putting something in there that's gonna uh, prohibit the rest of the bearings. I mean, the alcohol and the fuel is just gonna start, you know, wreaking havoc on the engine bearings. So getting something in there, you know, like, so that's you if know, you have an environment where it's humid, right? Where you've got a lot of right. moisture in the air. But if you're in a yeah, dry it's climate, it's probably not as of a concern, right? That's right. That's right. So, well, uh, <clears throat> so I, I keep my helicopters in my garage now uh, in okay. our new house. And uh, God forbid I get anything dripping in the house. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So now now my helicopters are more susceptible to rusting, you know. Right. Um, and well, swamp coolers, too. If you have a swamp cooler in your house, I don't care where you live, swamp coolers are going to create you know a very humid environment so you're right. gonna you're gonna start getting rust immediately as well so yeah. now i've but, heard
1: people talk about when you're done flying for the day and your helicopter's on the ground idle and instead of r- shutting it down just killing it they talk up and they literally pull the fuel plug from it and plug it and shut it down and let the engine burn out all the nitro that's one way of getting that out of the engine right
0: that is correct that is correct it's a it's a good method it works really well um however yeah you know however you'd probably want to run some sort of fuel stop at the engine you know because you know what depending on what type of clunk you have true you you don't you want to leave it wet you don't want to leave it dry so that that could pose some problems there
1: so i've in the past would reach down and hit the clamp and it just shuts the fuel off and then the engine runs out
2: of fuel it leans out dies
1: empties out now you know you've got all the fuel out of the motor
2: that's how we've always done it out here in the midwest
0: yeah okay does it work pretty well for you guys out there or just doing that? Or Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: All
1: right. So at the end of the day, you run your engine dry on fuel. You may put a little after run in. How do you get after run oil in the thing? It's not like you can reach up to the carb,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little tough with a helicopter. <laughs> so I've seen uh, – I've seen people take it and run it through the fuel line they'll put like a little nipple on the on the tip of it and and they'll just start squeezing it in but it's really thick you know so it's it's difficult to get it in there you know i i haven't myself haven't used it
1: but i haven't
0: either yeah all right i will admit that (laughs) so the
1: other thing that i do before i start my helicopter because i have a normal curve so i have the ability that when i'm sitting here just on the ground i haven't started yet I can go full throttle and I'll get the motor wide open. I will go full throttle that gets a full uh, maximum throttle. Before I turn on my glow, I will run my starter for three to four to five seconds to help prime the engine and then it seems to start for me every time real easy. So that's something that came from my um, RC airplane days where you go full throttle, you put the thumb on the carb and you prop it. like. I think my, I think I prop mine seven times. That was my routine. <laughs> and then you hit it, started run. So yeah, you know, I've watched some people, they don't prime. They just run the starter until it finally catches. Mm-hmm. Um, other people prime. So there's, you know, that's another way, another, uh, personal preference. I guess I imagine, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't really prime, um, prime mine. I'll, uh, well I will I guess you will I guess I I guess I do because I won't hit my glow igniter right away uh if the helicopter has been sitting now if I'm at a at a fun fly then I know it's the fuel's right there ready right. to go into the carburetor I won't really mess with it and uh and and you might and you might need to prime something that doesn't have a have a uh, regulator on it either sure. you know the fuel kind of sucks back into the tank so um you know before you hit your glow igniter just gives your glow, glow igniter that much more life. So yeah, I guess I do prime. <laughs> so, right. okay.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Well, you having a ball, Steve?
2: I am. I'm taking this all in. Actually, there's a bunch <laughs> of different directions that you can go. Um, when I started, I was lucky enough to my first nitro was out in Livermore, California. I was lucky enough to fly with Robert Gorham. So. The way he had me start a motor, because I had no clue how to do it, was to completely open the throttle, turn it over for four to seven seconds, kind of depending, like you said, prime the motor. You'd completely shut the thing off. You'd hit your glow igniter, and you'd hit the igniter. And I mean, that I had a YS on my T-Rex 600. It would start up every single time, every time. And I was told, uh, until I became better uh, acclimated to flying a nitro, to basically... I didn't really need to tune it. It was one click this way or that, and I really didn't need to mess with it. And I wasn't going for optimum power. Like I see some of these people, they tweak it constantly, and then they blow it up, and they tweak it, and then they blow it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a power person, so I was more about reliability and longevity of the motor, and it worked just fine for me, because really, I was just trying to learn nitro.
0: Yeah, and you you, you bring up a good point there, because I think a lot of people, they think that, well... The leaner I go, the more power I'm going to make, but I don't want to go too lean or I'll pop the engine. But that, that, that was always funny to me because, you know, it takes fuel to make power. So why are we getting rid of the fuel in the engine to make power? You know what I mean? So I think I, I you'll find my engines, you know, richer than, you know, than on the lean side. And I guarantee you I'm making power, <laughs> you know, so yeah, to me, I, I tend to run a rich motor to too. A- yeah yeah especially in the mid-range you know on a a helicopter with today's maneuvers you know we're keeping that engine loaded the entire time so you know i think it's i think it's really important to to really wet that mid-range to you know to keep consistency in the power i hear
2: that jones go ahead i hear that topic come up a lot actually uh where you see the smoke disappear as it's transitioning from high to low and you can really even as not a nitro person you can really see the smoke disappear Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if half the appeal is the smoke, running rich, not a bad thing. I'm not talking about pig rich. But, uh, you know, a little bit of smoke coming out of there, you should be able to see it. And when it just flat out disappears, you know something's up. Yep, you got a problem.
1: So when you listen to Tim Jones did some really neat nitro tuning uh, videos, he made a comment about um, he runs his mid-range a little fat, if I remember it right, because his thought was, is when I come out of big, high- power big air maneuvers where i'm really loaded up the machine i'm making a lot of heat and a lot of power when i pop into those uh that mid-range i get that shot of fuel that's a little bit richer than normal and it helps cool the engine down i mm. always thought that was interesting you know i mean thinking that yeah. you would use different maneuvers to cool the engine give the engine a break
0: yeah you want to let it breathe bit. for a minute flood it for a second and then get back into it you know yeah. where you're just nailing off the high yeah. yeah so those
1: are all interesting ways so once again i guess from a tuning standpoint it comes back to flying style depending on what you fly and how you fly you might set your motor up a little bit differently but that's starting to get pretty advanced in nitro ease right yeah
2: definitely You know, definitely. it sounds like we could almost have another episode on some nitro tuning in our train of thoughts and maybe even have some guest speakers come in and chit chat about that kind of stuff
0: yep yeah. i think that would be awesome yeah
2: that'd be fantastic super fantastic <laughs> So I wonder if we shouldn't kind of wrap this up and auto on out of here on that end note. And the next episode, I think we should, number one, talk about our experience at Urcha because we should all be back from Urcha by then. Um, Or did we want to talk about the fun fly you had, Gregor? Did you want to discuss anything with that? I didn't really hear anything or see any videos. I think everybody was busy having a good time.
0: Yeah, you know, I got to say, that was probably one of the wildest times i've had in an event in a while i think it was you know i think and greg I'm, I'm sure you can agree and, and i'm not trying to be biased whatsoever but it there was a lot going on at that event and you know normally it's the flying that takes it out of me but it seemed like in every corner there was something going on and it was just in it a was positive just a way. lot yeah in a positive way yeah, yeah. it was just it, it was not drama it was not good fun no not at all it was it was it wasn't just just a fun fly it was a heli fest and there was there was just there was just so much going on in the morning and then midday noon i mean it was just it was just constant and i think greg and i had every intentions of, of shooting some videos and it took danny and i two days to finally be able to go do our little you know take off on the street and then come and do you know a live feed as we were entering the event because it was it was just that busy and you know i think we ended up with uh, forgive me it was 31 or 32 pilots total right. at the event um we generated north of 6500 uh donated to Gigi's house down center for children i think for 32 pilots being at the field i think that was oh, amazing high five amazing amazing to everybody and thank you big thank you to everybody that donated uh mike weatherly he won the big heart award and was our highest donor and i think that was just just amazing you know um in anyways, yeah it was it was a great time i apologize for not covering the event more but it was it was just busy and um I, yeah i just yeah it was a good time
2: <laughs> so it was recently brought up to me that we should have more guest speakers on the show and i don't think that's a bad idea and i hear you talk about danny a lot for mm-hmm. those of us that don't know danny juarez I would love to pick on him. I mean, I would love to have him as a guest <laughs> uh, speaker I, on the show. I think he'd be great. I think he'd be good at it. He's got a lot of interesting aspects, and uh, he would bring a dynamic. I wonder. I wonder if we get Danny on one of these shows to chat
0: about stuff. I absolutely think we'd get him on. That I would bet be you awesome. We could too. Yeah. So we're yeah.
2: calling out Danny and uh danny no show Juarez i meant uh danny war to see <laughs> if we get him to show up to a show i think that would be good we hear we talk about him a lot and thanks thanks danny for doing the videos and stuff it, that's really awesome for those of us who couldn't make it
1: yeah no, i think we need to have him on
2: excellent so next episode tune in we're going to talk about tuning we're going to have a special guest speaker not really sure who that's going to be yet but i believe gregor has someone in mind so can i i, I do
1: Tune, tune in
2: for more tuning. Tune in yeah. for more tuning. I don't know why. <laughs> absolutely. I, you come up with all the good quips, man.
0: <laughs> He's got it, man. I, I have, I have, a I have a, a, a guest. I would like to get uh, two of them on, uh, two different guys. But uh, there's a couple with, people I have in mind. I'm going to hit up and see if we, with different if we can. Different
2: opinions of tuning because let's a- let's face absolutely. it, Ford and Chevy. I mean, there's <clears> there's more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, there is, there is. And, and these guys are, are so experienced that, and, and just phenomenal assets to the hobby. Um, <clears throat> so I'm hoping we can get them on the show and, and we, can, we can really get into tuning. Um, I've got a way of tuning. I know that our ways of tuning differ slightly, but any time that we all get together at an, at an event, we don't even have to speak words to one another when we're helping somebody. We know what we need to do to help somebody tune their engine and then uh it, it's just I, I love working with these guys so um i'm hoping that we can get them on at least one of them if not both of them and i think it would be a, a an amazing show to tune into for sure all right let's
2: excellent. do it excellent all right then well if nobody has anything else it's time to auto on out of here we really appreciate you joining the show those two or three of you that are still listening if you guys have any other ideas or if you would like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest. Like maybe you've heard about this one person and you've never met them or you'd like to know more about them. I think between the three of us, we pretty much know everybody on the uh, left coast over there and could get whomever on. I love it. So, yep, so thanks so much for joining and we will see you in a month. And everybody come by, say hi at Urcha. I know Mr. Ringley and myself will be there. We'll probably be in a similar location if we were kind of off-center last time. And uh, we'll pick on Gregor the entire time for not being there. I will definitely do some videos. I'm going to see how many people I can have do peer loops to pick on Gregor.
0: We still have no proof. I still have no
2: proof. I keep hearing. I see these videos. I think they're doctored. All right. Talk to you guys next month. Thanks for joining. Take care.
0: Thanks, guys.